DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Matt George, host of Locked On Kings, is going to join us coming up in one hour. The Jazz getting Hassan Whiteside from Sacramento. He signs as a free agent. Did not have a good year last year. He had several good years before that. So they're getting Hassan Whiteside, but are they getting Hassan Whiteside? Exactly. <laughs> and we'll talk with Matt George about that coming up in an hour. And also... Former Utah State star Nunez Keda is in Sacramento now. So I think he's going to make the team. I think he's an NBA player just for his defensive presence. I've always felt that. So that's Matt George coming up in one hour. We're going to talk college football here momentarily with Riley Jensen. We've got a question of the day up. The coaches poll is Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State is the top four. How boring and predictable at the highest level has college football become? And the largely, largely if I had to sum up all the answers, the answer would be very. Very boring, very predictable. Sports, it's our, it's our soap opera, PK. It's our drama. It's our unscripted, crazy, you never know what's going to happen, except in college football you tend to largely know what's going to happen. We got three to three and a half months now of Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State beating everybody up. Yeah, and you know, you turn on, I, like, I used to like to watch game day, really loved game day on Saturday mornings. Soured on it? Yeah. Because it's the same teams, and I, they're they're they care about ratings and all, so they need to talk about those teams. I don't blame them. So it's not even so much where they go; it's once they get there, they start hitting the topics, and you know who it's going to be. Yeah, and then they have something in there that involves death to pull out uh, your heartstrings, and then they bring on five minutes to ten a celebrity pick, and then it's over. I only usually watch the last 15 to 30 minutes of game day. That's about it. I used to watch at least an hour, hour oh, and a yeah. half. But see, I get up later on Saturday than you do. After five days of getting up for radio, I'm ready to sleep. But I could watch, I like watching it at the gym. So You're like up an and hour, at them. An hour, yeah. ha- an hour yeah. and a half. You're up and it at the gym. Yeah. I still watch it, but. It, you don't enjoy it as much. Not as much, no. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to talk college football with Riley Jensen, college football insider and mental performance coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? Good to have you back. Screw you, I'm elite. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> a guy tweeted that, Adam. That's why it's a yeah, yeah. A guy no, outside I, the market. First team all I get it. I mean, look, <laughs> look. Just the the word elite and and Patrick Kinahan, they just kind of go together, right? Oh, it's like peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> I'm more peanut butter and jam. Jam is just another word for food. jelly. No, jelly is strained. There's no fruit in jelly. It's just the juice and the sugar. Jam will have chunks of fruit in it. You act like you're healthy, dude. You're not. (laughs) I know. That's why I'm going for the more sugar with the fruit in it. Okay. Didn't follow that, clearly. All right, Riley. uh, We have you on to talk football, but let's just talk quarterbacks. Let's get right in your wheelhouse. I know the competition's going on, and they don't let us watch practice, so there's not much we can add, but I also know that you talk to people, and you know people who know people. So... Who's the starting quarterback going to be up on the hill at the U? It's going to be Charlie Brewer. <laughs> I don't. I mean, look, 
I, I know they want to make it a competition. They 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 love to make it, but even yesterday, just listening to the comments of the coaches, I was I was like, oh man, he just totally stood. He, he just stood up for Charlie Brewer right there, right? And you guys, you guys did a great job of asking him some questions that made him have to think about it, you know. And, and somebody asked a question about like, well, doesn't it help, you know, that this quarterback knows the play? And then he's like, yeah, but Charlie Brewer, I mean, he's come here and he studied it and he's right there, like, like neck and neck, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. Coach, it's not somebody. Gotcha. It's me who asked the question. It's nobody. <laughs> That's what I thought. You're it was elite. an elite question, so I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, there I it is. Well played, Riley. You're the man. So no, I'm but, wondering, you know, <laughs> now finish your thought. Go ahead. No, I just think I, I just think that Charlie Brewer, he he just checks all all the boxes for a Kyle winning quarterback. Okay, so he had he had a dad that played at Texas, played quarterback. His uncle played quarterback at Texas. His grandpa played quarterback at Texas. Texas has a reputation for being tough. He went to Lake Travis. He set all these records. He's he's got that Texas toughness, or at least that's the perception that we're getting, right? And I think that checks the boxes right now for Kyle. He's a small dude, man. I wonder and worry, not on worry about it, but wonder, you know, if that will uh, come back to haunt them as far as injury. And I also think that too, it, Rising wins the job last year, and unfortunately he got hurt. And unfortunately it was only five game season anyway. So I guess if you're going to get hurt, it's a good year to get hurt in. But you know, you look at their program and bringing in these guys for a year. Fortunately. Uh, last year wasn't a, a full season, but it would have been a waste now in retrospect to play Bentley all that time at, at the expense of Rising and didn't come to pass. They didn't play a lot of games because of uh, the COVID and then, of course, uh, Rising's injury. So if they go like 5-4 and four in conference and you're playing Brewer, to me that's a waste because you've stalled Rising's development, and so you look at what they did with Huntley, and he goes seven and six that first year, and then comes back and is pretty doggone good, and they got two South Division titles off of it and go into the Pac-12 final. Now, of course, if Brewer leads them to the South, finish first, and if they win a conference or even get there, it's still a pretty successful year. So what do you think about that as far as bringing in a one-year dude? If he's if he hits it, like I guess Joe Burrow did for LSU, great, but you're also stalling the development of rising, and he could pay off next year. Yeah, so a couple of things. I think I, I think these are all great things to think about. Coaches that I talk to, they never think about like, well, if we go five and four, it's a waste. They're they're just thinking about like, can I win this game right here, and who gives me the best chance to win this game right here? So, yes, I think that's really fun for us to talk about and us to think about and all those things. But but they have to live in the now, right? Because nobody gives them the luxury of going, you know, you know, four and eight one year without killing them, right? So they got to win here now. The, and, and so, as a result of that, the lean always goes to the younger quarterback if it's equal, right? So, if Charlie's going to be the quarterback, he has to be significantly better. He has to be. Or else they're not going to. They're going to start rising. And so, there's always the lean that goes to the younger guy just for those development reasons that you're talking about, especially if it's a tie. So, if you're a senior going into a quarterback competition, <clears throat> you better leave no doubt that you're the guy because they won't pick you. They, they will naturally go with the younger guy. 
Now, the coaches that I've been talking to lately, though, this is where I find it really, really interesting. They have told me that that this portal thing has changed everything. It's changed everything. And even the basketball coaches that I've talked talk to, it's going to be very, very hard for a freshman quarterback to come in anymore and be a starter because of this portal. And you're just going to see guys that reload every year in the portal because it's not like every guy in the portal is worth offering or worth getting. But there's enough out there that they're better than what you got. And if you can offer them and if you can bring them into the program, it makes you better better instantly. Quicker than a junior college, quicker than a freshman, quicker than anything else. And so uh, this portal thing, uh, I know we're all talking about NIL and all that kind of stuff. The portal thing is changing. It's changing the landscape. And the kids that are getting hurt are the, are the seniors in high school right now because they're not even they're not even looking at them right now. They're like, oh, I can get this guy out of the portal. I can get this guy out of the portal. And, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess we have to work. I guess we have to get a freshman, right? So BYU allegedly, it's a three quarterback race. Are you as definitive about the Cougars as you are about the Utes? Yes, Jaron Hall. It's going to be Jaron Hall, and look, Jaron brings so much to the. Um, he brings so much to the table as far as being able to throw the ball, being able to run the ball, being a great leader, being being a great individual. I mean, you want your quarterback to be the CEO of your team. You want him to be the guy. I mean, you can't have the village idiot running your squad, right? And and he knows what he's doing, and he, he has been in this program. He's paid his dues, and I think that he has the potential to be a really, really good quarterback, especially with the receiving core. And, you know, Dallin Holker coming back from a mission at tight end, and they've already got Rex there. I mean, I think there's a lot of weapons for a quarterback there. My biggest worry about him, and I'm, and this is just me speaking honestly and out loud, is when I saw him get the concussion in the Utah State game, it set off all kinds of alarms for me because that was not, that was not your normal big hit concussion type hit. In fact, when I was rewinding it in that game and everything, I couldn't even find where he really got hit in the head. And maybe he got hit in another play and just played a few more and then finally told somebody. But to me, I'm I'm very concerned about how easily that, that he was concussed in that game. And I'm just concerned about what what happens going forward in the future because Jalen is at his best when he can run, when he can scramble, and when he can do those things. And, and he's a very, very good good football player he he i think the biggest challenge for him is he's just got to be him he doesn't have to be zach wilson he doesn't have to be ty detmer he doesn't have to be any of the quarterbacks of old he just has to be jalen hall and if he's and if and if he's the best version of himself that's a really really good college quarterback yeah i remember seeing that too and wondering where he got hit i remember that specifically so uh, you were adamant. There was no question. You quickly went to Hall without reservation, and, and I certainly think you're right, and I've thought that for a good while. Uh, the thing that I find interesting is that in these cases, you see quarterbacks leave, but BYU not only has quarterbacks not leaving, they have quarterbacks joining the program. Uh, what would you advise if, if uh, and you were a kid who moved around a little bit yourself, if uh, – particularly Romney and even Connor, if they came to you and said, okay, Hall's the guy, and we're even or I'm a grade behind him uh, as far as playing time, what would you say? Well, it's, it's, I, 
this would be the worst time to ask me because of the portal, right? And because of the things that are going on in the portal, it's a lot easier to transfer now. You get one free transfer without any penalty to your, you know, to your eligibility. When I transferred, I lost a year, and that was that was that was really really hard, and that was a difficult decision to make. You know, up until this this portal transfer and this free transfer, I mean, my my mindset if 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 I'd had a kid or a nephew or anybody that would you know, would be good enough to play and wasn't playing somewhere was like, Hey, go to the school that you love, pick a school that even if the coaches leave, or if you're not starting, you would love being at school there. You would love the degree that you're getting and just stick it out and be resilient. Largely in part because my experience was, it was good. And and I think most people would love to, you know, start their senior year at, at the school that they transferred to. But I think there's just something to the resilience and the grit of staying and sticking something out. But <laughs> this portal thing kind of changes things. I mean, you look at a guy like Charlie Brewer who threw for a bajillion yards in 2019, and now he's in the he's in the transfer transfer portal, and and he can have an opportunity to play at Utah in the Pac-12 with a chance to win, you know, a South Division championship and a conference championship. It's hard. It's it's hard to say what I would tell my son, and and especially at a school like BYU, uh, you know, you're at a, you're at a good school, you're in a good place, you're in a safe place for your kid. Um, but these guys want to play. I mean, I guarantee you, Romney, and and I and by the way, when I when I say definitively that I think it's Jalen Hall, that's that's not to say that I don't love the way Romney plays. I actually think. That, and, and look, I don't, I don't want it to sound like blasphemy because I know what this is going to sound like when I say it, but, but he's, a, he's a poor man's Joe Montana. He's deceivingly fast. He can run better than you think you can. He makes great decisions with his arm and, and is very cerebral in that position. And so, you know, knowing the history of Jalen Hall and that he's had some injuries and those sorts of things, if I'm, if I'm Romney, I'm sticking it out and I'm like, I'm going to be the guy that can make the good decisions and can and can help this team and and make a, a significant impact on this team if I stick around. Is that the kind of deal where <clears throat> if Hall has an injury, who plays depends on when it happens? Will it be the same quarterback based on whether it happens in the third quarter and you got to go win the game now? Or, uh-oh, he's out for three weeks. Hey, let's play Conover and play the long game here. Or it'll be the same backup no matter what. Ooh, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, I'm elite. I, I'm elite I've too. never been in a situation where I had so much depth at quarterback that I could like think that way. So I, this is a really good question because, from all accounts, Conover is a very, very capable and very good quarterback. And you know, now with the redshirt rule, you can play him. You know, basically in four games without without counting towards their redshirt and. You know, I'd be interested to get him in in certain situations, especially like blowouts and different things like that. So maybe, maybe you have a guy like Conover who is playing mop-up time for the four games that he can play, but your real second-string guy is is Romney. Uh, you know, these are all these are really really significant questions because you do have to think about the long term. And just like you were talking about with with Rising, Patrick. You know, you, you do have to think about the development of your next quarterback. It can't just be all about the guy that's there. You do have to think about the future, and there's no replacement for live repetitions in games. Even if it's against, you know, to still, 
you know, um, a line from a long time ago, even if it's against Bo Diddley Tech, if he's getting live reps in a game, right, he's, he's going to be better in the future. So you say in blowouts, you're talking about that second game when the Cougars are hammering the Utes in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I can't really verbalize what I'm trying to say, so thank you, Larry he, He's elite. <laughs> he's elite. Speaking of elite, this uh, Dustin Smith, who runs uh, the elite quarterback uh, thing, you probably have some interaction or know of him, QB elite. We had him on the other day, and he was talking about the University of Utah not recruiting kids uh, at quarterback in Utah and going to other places around the country, and he even included Arizona and Idaho in there. And we were trying to figure out, there's been a couple of quarterbacks who have gone, obviously Wilson they didn't recruit, and then there's the Cooper and then Dart down at SC. Uh, have there been others that we missed? And I'm not even sure about the background of Cooper and Dart as far as recruiting goes, as far as how much the Utes recru- recruited them or didn't recruit them. But do you think it's an issue of Utah not looking at local guys enough? Um, I think it's, I think that's an interesting question and an interesting scenario. Cooper was not recruited. Zach Wilson was not recruited. I know that. I know that Dart was offered, but he was offered – a little bit later and it was kind of on the down low right and so it didn't i don't i don't think it made him feel all the love that maybe he wanted although i don't think jackson dart would have been a good fit at the university of utah so maybe that was the that was the game that, that utah was playing like look we we kind of need to make sure that we're keeping this guy warm but he's probably not going to come here anyway the interesting part that the university of utah is in is the top tier quarterbacks in the country are getting offered really, really early now. I mean, really early. And it feels like to me that a Utah quarterback, a kid out of the state of Utah, and I think this is changing because of Zach Wilson, and I think it's changing because of Cam Cooper, and I think it's changing because of Jackson Dart, is that they typically got offered like just before their senior year, but a lot of quarterbacks are offered before their junior year or in camp just before their junior year because people were like, oh, this guy's legit. He's going to be a starter. I've talked to his coach. This guy's a big-time guy. Or they've already started as a sophomore. And so I think the the difficulty for Utah is they've gotten in this position of like, okay, we have decided to offer this guy. Are we going to stay true to our word? And are we going to like really stay with this? Or are we going to be like the team that just offers like three quarterbacks and whichever one is tough enough to stay with the offer – is the one that we stay with. And so far, Utah's decided that they're going to honor their commitment, right? And they're, they're not going to offer somebody else. They're going to stay with their commitment. And I think that's put them in a tough situation with kids from Utah because, you know, I mean, Jackson Dart, by all intents and purposes, in my opinion, should have been offered a lot earlier than he was. But he benefited from a COVID season and then being on national TV, on ESPN, and finally started getting the offers and the, and, and the things that he wanted. And, but that was late in the game. And so it's just really, really interesting to think. I don't think that they're not looking at Utah quarterbacks. I think that what happens, though, is if there's a really good quarterback that comes up from out of state, do I wait to see if a Utah kid develops or do I offer him now? And I think, I think Utah is probably doing it right. But I think as we – continue to see some of these quarterbacks in the state of Utah do really, really well on the next level. 
I think they'll take a harder look at those kids. But there's a lot of pressure on teams. I mean, I know, I know for a fact. I was talking to a Tennessee coach when Zach Wilson was getting recruited out of high school, and he wasn't a four star or a five star. And this coach loved Zach Wilson. Like he was like, dude, I would offer him right now. He goes, there's way too much pressure on me to offer a four or a five star. He goes, but he's better than all the guys we have right now. And uh, I just found that really interesting. There are some pressures in different programs to offer different guys. I'm not saying that that's the case at Utah yet, but there's different things that go into why you offer a quarterback and who you offer and, and when you offer them. How much will people offer these quarterbacks going into their junior year based on the camps they've seen and that kind of workout video and that? Because there aren't, just to keep it on the Utah point here, there aren't that many quarterbacks starting in Utah as a sophomore. Now, Maddox Madsen did, and maybe he's the guy we should be talking about because he got to start young at American Fork, and now he's committed to go play for the Broncos up at Boise State. Uh, but there aren't that many quarterbacks doing that. That seems like a heck of a reach to offer a kid who hasn't played that much varsity football, if any. Yeah, it's a little bit of a reach unless you unless you trust the coach at the school, right? So, for example, it's it's it's. I mean, I, I don't know that it's a hundred percent, but it, I mean, it's it's pretty secure right now. That this kid that transferred up from the state of Arizona to Corner Canyon is going to start. He's going to start. Zach Wilson's brother. Yeah. Zach Wilson's brother is a sophomore. And they've already offered. And, he's already already offered. Right. Because number one, he's got an older brother who's the second pick in the draft. Right. But number two, like if you talk to to Eric Kerr and they're like, dude, we kind of like this guy in camp. What do you think? Uh, he's going to be a big time quarterback. But I've got an elite eleven quarterback transferring in. Well, we're still going to offer him. Go go ahead. You know what I mean? Like there, there is the talk, and and college recruiters. The big thing with college recruiters right now, and I and and I love and I hate this in some ways because I think it eliminates some quarterbacks that can't afford to go and be on your campus and do some of those things. But everybody wants to see them in person. Everybody's highlight videos look really, really good right now. But I, every coach wants to see them in person. And if you get in front of a coach and he sees you in person and he's already seen a highlight film that he's somewhat impressed with. And then he sees you in person and goes, dude, that, that guy can make every throw that my quarterbacks can make right now. He'll offer you. He'll offer you when he sees you in person. And there's all kinds of opportunities to get in front of coaches now. Just tons of opportunities. The problem is you got to travel. you got to go do it. you gotta, you got to play the game of Elite 11. you got to travel out to their camp during the summer. you gotta, you got to make sure that they know who you are before you go out to the camp. I mean, it's a difficult it's a difficult road to get recruited as a quarterback. And it's difficult for, for, for teams to actually like recruit a quarterback and be 100% sure that they're going to land on this guy. Because let's be honest, quarterbacks at every state, in-school state here, I mean, you're, you're looking at like a 33% clip of quarterbacks that have landed. There's, there's a lot of guys that never play and never really pan out for you. Last thing before we let you go, we always discuss um, analytics, trend stats versus just being able to make the big play in the moment, the game-winning play. And you're working for, uh, as a mental uh, performance coach, you work with a lot of teams, college, pro. You're working with RSL right now. They are tied for third in the West in goals scored, tied for third in fewest goals conceded, and yet in eighth place in the standing, which to my mind can only go to 
Well, you give up a late goal and you turn a win and three points into one. You never get blown out, so your goal differential is awesome. Can you? How do you? How do you deal with players when that kind of thing is going on? When there's clearly some level of competence, talent, and a potential for success, and yet something just isn't adding up. Yeah, so I think I think this can go. Uh, and, and forgive me for going back to a, a football analogy, but I remember when Gary Anderson was at Utah State the first time, the the hardest thing that he said to change in the culture at Utah State was the here we go again, right? Like, oh, here we go again. You know, with Real Salt Lake, if a goal scored on him late, you know, late in the first half or, or excuse me, late in the second half, you know, you got to fight against the here we go again, here we go again. And, um, with Utah State, there was a tradition of playing really, really good against teams, and then something would happen, and then Utah State would lose. And he told me specifically there was a game with Chucky Keaton at Hawaii where a situation had happened where it could be here we go again, and they didn't. They, they didn't allow it to happen, and they fought through it. And he said he knew at that point that this program was going to be different than it had been in a long time because they, they, they had the fortitude to like fight through it. So I think how the question is, how do you battle through something like that? I think it's how you frame it. I think it's really, really easy if you're RSL or if you're a team that's been losing close games to just kind of get in the mindset of like, well, <clears throat> here we go again. And then the way you frame it is like, man, we're just snake bit. We're doing so many good things. We're, we're scoring goals. We're doing this. We're doing that. And, and it's really easy to say, man, I'm snake bit. Instead of saying like, it's just a matter of time. You know, the dam's going to break here in a minute and nobody's going to be able to stop us. And so it's really about the frame of reference that you're looking at your performance that can be really, really important. It's like when I work with a, a baseball player, I was working with a double-A baseball player a couple of years ago, you know, and I and I was just talking to him, like, so talk to me about, like, when you, your mindset, about your routine, when you get up to the plate, like, what, what are you doing? And he goes through all these things, you know, like, you know, I, I fasten my gloves, I look over the coach, I take a deep breath, I look at the label, and I go, okay, that's good, I like your routine, but right when you get in the box, what are you thinking? He's like, I'm thinking, don't strike out. Don't strike out, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay, well, this is this Welcome is, to this my is life. Important. Thanks, <laughs> right? And he's like, he's like, well, the thing is, when I hit the ball, I mean, I'm roping it, I'm, I'm, I'm lacing doubles and triples, all I gotta do is make contact, I gotta make solid contact, and I go, how about we say make solid contact <laughs> instead of don't strike out? Right? I heard a story right? once that you that as a coach, you should never say don't. That the brain doesn't really process that. And there's some story about a manager going out to the nine. You're like, don't throw him a, a strike over the middle of the plate. And so the next pitch, strike over the middle of the plate, and you know, it goes 400 feet. Do you believe in that? Eliminate the don't? Yes and no. I mean, look, we... We have to we have to be able to hold up the mirror and look at things honestly and say, okay, I need to fix this or I need to fix that, right? So yes and no, but there is some truth to this because if I tell you guys don't think of a pink elephant, like don't think of a pink elephant, <laughs> don't think, think of, a of a pink elephant, there's a pink elephant in your mind, and then after a second you'll make some sort of decision, like you'll change it to a pink flamingo or you'll change it to a purple elephant so that you're not thinking about those things. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting a frame and a mindset that can change things around a little bit, right? 
And so, long story short, there's, there's a lot of power to the way that we frame things in our lives, the way that we frame our performances, the way we frame our work, the way we frame whatever we're doing. And if we can find a way to achieve the same goal and frame it in some sort of a positive frame or in some sort of a positive mindset, it can be much more powerful for the mind to enact that than if we're saying, don't strike out or don't be a slub or don't be an idiot, right? Then all of a sudden you're an idiot, a slub, and a strikeout. And so there is, there is a lot of power to it. Um, it's not absolute. It's not 100%, but I do think that there's a ton to the way that we think about ourselves and our performances. And, and that's, that's where you have to work on those sorts of things when you're a little bit in a tough situation is like you can't give up on, you, you know, the practice sessions that are going really well or things that are going really well because of a couple of, of things that have gone wrong. And a lot of times when I'm talking to coaches about that kind of stuff, I'll just say, hey, let's just change the scoreboard a little bit here, right? Let's do talk about goal differential. Let's do talk about these things. Let's talk about how there's a whole bunch of positive things going on that if we continue to do that, we're going to win a lot of games. I mean, you look at Real Salt Lake, the last game, I mean, possession was like 65%. They had all kinds of corner kicks. They had all kinds of shots on goal compared to the – and that's typically a game that you win. So you can't hang your head too much on every win and loss. You got to you got to know that you're doing the right things and be proud of yourself that you're doing the right things. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. PK's not the only one who's elite. You're elite too, my man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Riley. And you know who else is elite? Is Yock. He's been chasing him, and it looks like he's landing the big fish. Yock, can you speak of it, or will it jinx everything? Nope, we're good. Joe Ingles, nine o'clock. Olympic gold medalist Joe Ingles. Olympic what? Gold, a bronze medalist. <laughs> okay. Well, in my mind, it's a gold medalist. That was uh, elite. That was elite right there. <laughs> Riley Jensen, college football insider, mental performance coach, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles will be here at 9 o'clock, and we will reschedule Matt George, host of Lockdown Kings, to talk about Hassan Whiteside and Nimi Keita. All right, when we come back, DJ and PK. More college football on the way. Stay with us. And Joe Ingles at 9. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific, you know, Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, uh, Max, why me? Hawaii, huh? Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. You okay. just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Waini means I love you. Because... You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Davis Vision loves teachers. If you're a teacher who needs LASIK, Davis Vision wants to give back. Schedule a free consultation appointment and inquire about additional savings to their summer sale price. Call them today at 801-253-3080 or check them out at davisvisionmd.com. Question of the day. Coaches poll. As Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State is the top four teams, how boring and predictable at the highest level has college football become? The answer is, oh, very. 
So let's jump forward to the next question then, PK. What breaks up the logjam? Because nothing lasts forever. Ooh, I don't know about that. In sports, nobody wins forever. Teams win a lot. 10, 15 years is forever. Okay, you got me there. (laughs) But Alabama's at 12. I mean, the literal definition of forever, no. But they do win for a long time. And here's the thing I would tell you is that it, it'll seem like they win forever because you're right. They do win for Ohio 10 State's or 15 won years. Forever. Right. And what I would normally tell you is that will change when there's a coaching change. But know. Ohio State and Oklahoma have already had coaching changes and they've kept rolling. Now, Bama and Clemson haven't. Maybe they can pull it off. Coaching changes have sunk Alabama in the past. We'll see if it happens or if this is a new era. Because here's the problem as boring as this is, if coaching changes don't change the balance of power, then this is like a a new level in college football. I mean, we've I, seen I think we're here at a new level. Yeah, yeah, we've seen some schools hit on back-to-back coaches in the history of the sport. USC and Oklahoma have, but we have never seen a group of teams that were on the top all hit on back-to-back coaches. That's well, really going to lock things in. But and we, then instead of ten or fifteen, you could be talking about twenty or thirty. Well, that's 30. what we're going to have. That's going to suck because. There's never been a 14 playoff until now. So these te- these kids want to play in that playoff. So go to the schools that are in the playoff. It's not hard to figure out. So comparing history is irrelevant. Because, because there's you, a new set of rules. Yeah. It's new guidelines. Yeah. And it used to be you can go and then if you got voted in uh, by the Associated Press, there it was. Now you have this little committee that votes you in, and they just focus on these schools, probably deservedly so, and and they just look at, well, who had so many kids drafted last year. It's just like, if you're recruited by Alabama, you're minimum four-star, even if you're not. I'm not going to be the one to not, wait a second, Saban wants this kid? Yeah. I'm not going to stick my neck out and be the one who votes for, uh, he's a three-star. And, so, I mean, of course you're going to be a four-star just because they're recruiting you, and that's the way it works. So everything has changed so dramatically. Maybe it changes when we go to 12, and there might be some other schools. Maybe SC can start keeping some big-time studs that literally go to Clemson or Alabama to play quarterback, which is what they're going to have this year. Maybe they can keep them home. Yeah, but that, it's going to be hard for SC to continue to get into the playoff every year. So the way it's set up now, I don't see it changing. And really hasn't changed in Ohio State in forever. I mean, when they had the, you know, the tattoo thing and they, they, they struggled for a year or what have you. Okay, fine. You're not going to do it every single year, but virtually every single year. And the way they're going, and maybe with Oklahoma, it'll be interesting to see now as they go in the SEC. But as it stands now, that's still four or five years away. I don't think it'll extend that far out, and everything's negotiable, as you say, and I agree with you, but maybe that's a little bit of a difference there. I don't know that it'll be a difference. Maybe they just continue to win at the same level, and maybe you don't, at that they, point you can lose two games and still get in. Right, and I think they win at a pretty high level. It's not hard to figure out how they're going to split up the East and West divisions. I don't know. Is Texas A&M going to scare them? Maybe LSU? Uh, on a given they, year, got Texas. Yes. Arkansas, Missouri, I mean, they're cut above all those schools. Who's going to—the Mississippi schools? I think the West Division, 
And the SEC East is going to be harder. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, yeah. If Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and Florida are all going to end up in the same division. Yeah, but even Florida's fallen off the mark a sure. little bit. I mean, they don't have Urban. But if you look at the five teams that have historically dominated the SEC, four of them are going to be in the East, and LSU is going to be in the West. So, Oklahoma's path is maybe not easy, but well, it's not if Texas that hard. ever gets back to what they were, then that would be another difficult. But sure, they I mean they are, they know that, and they're just going to amp it up. They're going to make more money, so they're going to invest more. So now each coach on a recruiting trip is going to have a private plane. Well, the best and the best <laughs> recruiters are all going to be getting a million bucks, and then I mean, we're we're going to get yeah, to the point. Yeah. And the players are going to be first. Getting a million it was head bucks. coaches getting a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, well, Alabama says they've already got that. Then it was coordinators getting a million bucks. It's going to be the position right. coaches. And then when you land, they uh, take you by helicopter to the kid's house. I mean, who knows? I mean, it'll so, be a drone that just like picks you up by the shoulders. They'll just have more. <laughs> To offer, not less. And with this NIL, there's been an argument that I can conceivably have no problem agreeing with that the rich are going to get richer. Yeah. Well, everyone will get local money, but who's going to get national money? Because it's going to happen. The kid from Alabama, Alabama, Dallas area, who wanted to go, he doesn't want to play his senior year. Well, he's going to Ohio State, he's not going to North Texas. To uh, cash in. He's not staying local. He's going to Ohio State. So I don't see this ending. I I think that, to me, it it doesn't take away my love of the Pac-12 and whoever wins that. That's still a big deal to me. To play in a Rose Bowl, and maybe because that's the way I grew up, and maybe a younger generation is going to downgrade to granddaddy. Maybe that's the way it turns out. But for me, winning the South is a big deal. Winning the North is a big deal. Winning the Conference is a big deal. Maybe it doesn't resonate on the national scale, but it's like TV ratings. I don't care what the things that I want to watch are as far as TV ratings. If I like to watch it, who cares if it's popular or not? And maybe that's the way I'll look at college football going forward. I'll be interested in my conference. Always will be interested to the rest of my life. And if it doesn't resonate nationally... So, so be it. There's a lot of that going on in sports now anyway. I agree. It's sports yeah. is so sports is local. I, I was just talking with Josh totally Newman at uh, Utah. You know, he's been here a while, so he's getting into the storylines. He's a sports fan. He follows multiple sports, not just the ones he covers. Uh, and and he says, man, I talked to my friends in New York, and like Donovan Mitchell's exciting. The Jazz are good. And they're like, doesn't resonate. I'm like, all sports is local. People in New York don't want to think that. But what matters to New York? Mostly New York and then Boston, maybe Philly. I said, really? Does anyone in New York care about the Wizards? And he just shook his head. He goes, no, they don't. I'm like, yeah, they're not local. They're too far away. They're not, they're not interacting with that many people from that area who, pas- who are passionate about mm-hmm. their team. Yeah, I know. So yeah. all sports is local, and 40% of the people are in the East Coast time zone. And that's why there's an East Coast bias built in. And if we move back there, we'd buy right into it. Moving one time zone east. I follow the teams that I grew up in California and Major League Baseball at a much lower level. When I was there and it it was just easier and I was surrounded by a lot of people who cared. So even if I checked out, they drew me back in with a conversation. That's what happens now with the Utes and Cougars. I get drawn in by people who are like, hey, what about this? What about that? And they get you fired up. All sports is local. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
It's a Win Ticket Wednesday. We're going to give away tickets next, and a lot of you are going to want these tickets. There is no doubt there are people who are going to be lighting up the phones. Don't call now. Yach's doing important stuff. But in a few minutes, we'll give them away. Stay with us. And then Joe Ingles at 9. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I think you and I both throw the Jazz offseason into the tinkering category. I don't think either one of us thinks they're automatically the favorite in the NBA now, but think that they're a better squad than they were last year. Exactly. In the West, I don't think anybody really got better. No, and that's why the Jazz holding the ground that they've already won and then gaining a little more ground is a smart move. For those who argued last year was the Jazz only chance because the door was wide open, I think it's still going to be wide open. There have been years when you look around the conference and you think, oh wow, that team really got better. What are the Jazz going to do with that? This is a year where I think the Jazz edged in a positive direction as much as anybody, and probably more. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It is a win tickets Wednesday. PK, you are a country music guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top touring acts. Can you do like a top five, top 10, top 20? I mean, you follow a lot of people. I mean, for me personally, I could, but I don't know if that, how that corresponds yeah, to the actual. right. I mean, it's always, but it would be ballpark to the actual. I mean, you're not that big an outlier. You like the big X. Uh, I'm a little more selective, but I get your point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, are we going Dirks Bentley? Yeah, Dirks Bentley. I'm thinking that's a top 10, certainly oh, top, top 20, 10? but yeah, it's got to be top 10. Think, I would think so. Yeah. Women I, love Dirks Bentley. You what? Women love Dirks Bentley. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, ladies. Yeah. Two tickets. <laughs> or guys, if you know your, uh, your significant other likes Dirks Bentley, well, call now, 855-340-ZONE. sexy. 855-340-ZONE. Reminds me of you. Got a couple of tickets. Dirks Bentley brings his... He ignores that. Dirks <laughs> Bentley brings his Beers on Me tour to Salt Lake City for one night of hit after hit country music. Call it 12 right now. We'll win two tickets to see Dirks Bentley this Friday, August 13th, Usana Amphitheater. It's brought to you by LiveNation.com. If you don't win two tickets now, Hanson Scotty will have a couple tickets to give away. The Big Show will have a couple tickets to give away. It's a win tickets Wednesday. And LiveNation.com has got tickets to go see Dirks Bentley this Friday, August 13th, two days away. Coming up, Joe Ingles is going to join us at 9 o'clock. We're going to have Matt George on, host of Locked on Kings, to talk Hassan Whiteside, who's coming from the Kings, to join the Jazz. And, of course, the Kings also have Nimi Keita from from Utah State, and we moved him to tomorrow at 9 o'clock. I want to talk to him about what went on with Hassan, but I also want to talk to Joe. Joe, I know you're listening right now. Thank you. Love you. Congratulations. (laughs) That didn't sound very genuine. It was genuine. Won the bronze. I mean, it was a big step forward for Australia. You know, where do they go from here? We were talking off the air. It seems like Australia is developing as a basketball country. And so, obviously, that's going to help their national team. 
And then uh, Mike Conley talked about Joe uh, badgering him to resign, and Joe had said he was going to go back to his uh, palatial estate back there if he had to and force him to sign. And what does he think about Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside? He's been in the NBA now a number of years, so certainly he's aware of these guys and has played against them for a long time. What does he think about that? And what does he need to do to recuperate, you know, because it's been an intense several months for him, and he doesn't have as long to recuperate. Nope. Because no, normally guys get back, he, he would be, in a normal season, he'd be coming back to the U.S. here in a week or so to get ready because they have what they, uh, well, they call it open gym. I mean, De- J- J- Justin Zanuck referred to it open gym because that's where they think that uh, uh, Butler can get going so he can be ready when training camp comes. So everything comes at you fast. But what does Joe need? Does he need to stay off his feet for a little bit? Or can he afford to at approaching 34 years of age? Does he have to make sure that his body uh, stays and he can't sit around for too long? A whole bunch of questions. And then he's just Joe, so you never know where it's going to go anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There is that. Yeah. Wild card. All right. It does seem like Australia is trending up. There's a whole generation of players who've seen the success that these guys have had, first in U.S. colleges. Certainly across the NBA now, now Olympic bronze, so that figures. And they've got a system in place, too. You know, they've got that uh, program in Canberra, and it seems to be cranking out a lot of players. So seems like the arrow will continue to be up for Australia. Joe Ingles, coming up next. Stay with us.